0: Distant planet. A great kingdom was ravaged by beings and king from the future. Oh, Born with the strength of a black tiger. The courage of a beetle. The power that made him more than any hero. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help. I shall be your king. In the world of Dungeons,
1: Dragons,
0: and Dar. Faves, bandits, fighters, and
1: Brawlers. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleazoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode, along with our honorary slezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Do it. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we've been doing for over a year and a half, so there's oh, yeah. something like 40 bonus episodes waiting for you if you haven't Tons. made the jump yet. Think about it. Speaking of which, we had a ton of people make that jump.
0: Yes, uh, thank you guys. this
1: week so we got a lot to go through sorry if we don't uh, usually we got like one so I'm like thanks buddy I give you a real thing but we <laughs> yeah. gotta rip through them today uh, that is uh, one was Joseph Shackley welcome Joseph uh, Malcolm Hoyt Christian Rowell uh, Ethan Dunlap and Ed Mack so thanks Very so cool. much to you guys, you guys for joining us and getting all the bonus episodes hope you guys are enjoying leave a comment uh, on, on the Patreon maybe we'll get back to you there as well So, yeah, that's the one plug. The other plug, iTunes. If you guys are listening on iTunes and you guys have been digging the show, make sure to give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps us find new listeners. And, uh, yeah, we're on every podcast listener of choice uh, by now. No one has yelled at me. So (laughs) we are everywhere, I think. So if you're listening somewhere and you think it's inconvenient, whatever podcast listener of choice that you actually want to, search us there. You'll probably find us. Uh, Those are your plugs for the week. I'm your host, as always, Josh Lewis. And joining me is my co-host. Jamie Miller. Welcome back. Welcome back to another week. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time you guys would have heard from us, and we would have been talking the year 1991 with uh, special guest Oliver Leecher or also on Twitter known as Bakun. Uh He brought with him, if I remember correctly, Bill and Ted, Bogus Adventure.
2: Yes, lots uh, of fun.
1: Which we had a lot of fun talking about. And God. Alex Winter from the set of Bill and Ted 3 oh, yeah. listened to it and tweeted that episode out. So uh, I am praying that he had <laughs> he words for Keanu. On it, set. Showed it to the
2: God Among Men.
1: Yep. Uh, but we don't know. <laughs> that guy is not online. Uh, probably the smart one yeah. uh, of all <laughs> yeah. of them. Um, and we paired that film with um, uh, the Akira, uh, Natsuhiro Otomo. Hope I got that right. I think you got it right. <laughs> uh, uh, his uh, underrated 1991 sort of like comedy horror film uh, about Japanese nationalism, and that was World Apartment Horror.
2: A yeah, very he, strange comedy. Yeah, but not a lot, a lot of, of people have
1: seen. Uh, pretty hard to find. There's a yeah, really like triple a bootleg rip you can find on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube if you, video. <laughs> if you if you are interested in checking it out. Uh, but one week ago, Patreon listeners, uh, you guys would have got your bonus episode, which we did on John Frankenheimer. Uh, we did The Manchurian Candidate from 1962, as well as his follow up movie Seconds from 1966 Some heavy with, with Rock My God. Yeah, two pretty brutal, uh, paranoid political thrillers. Um, so, if you haven't heard that episode again, patreon.com slash podcast. That was last week's episode. And Seconds
2: but, is just one of my favorite films of all yeah, time. Yeah, Seconds now. is one of the best films
1: we probably talked about on <laughs> yeah, the show so far. Without a doubt. Um, very, very happy to finally get around to checking that one out. Um, but this week, we have another special guest for you guys calling in from the We Hate Movies podcast as well as the, hold on, was did you say TJ Hookers?
3: <laughs> uh, it's um, Hooked on TJ Hooker, and it's available <laughs> at tjhookerpodcast.com I tried to do something that was the most niche thing in the world—a a TV recap show about a show that no one is like
1: seen in forever or will ever see. So, that's and we go awesome. do through
3: episode by episode. It's it's kind of like a mad science experiment.
1: That's amazing. Well, I <laughs> awesome. I am now going to be going out and checking that out at some point because I have no idea what that is.
2: No, no, no. But welcome, no, that's
1: uh, and th- we have with us Eric Siska. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing
3: well. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, no problem. We're doing great over here. Thanks for coming on. Now, as it goes, we have uh, the guests bring on their double feature with them. So, Eric, which two films have you brought with you, and why do they pair together?
3: Okay, so I'm kind of reliving, like, watching television in the 90s here, because I grew grew up watching a ton of these, like, schlocky fantasy 80s things and, and Beastmaster is uh, an amazing kind of proto-Conan the barbarian low, It's like people eating dirt in the desert, kind of low budget. <laughs> and I paired it with Krull, which is like the high-budget, regal fantasy of uh, lords and ladies. And uh, I just love them both.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Well, we're very happy... Uh, to get into both of those. I believe uh, Beastmasters 1982, Krull is 1983. We're very glad to have Eric uh, here from from We Hate Movies. I was just listening to your guys' live shows that you guys were doing. Uh, you called it the, what was it, the... Oh,
3: the uh, Cage Tour. The East Cage all... Tour, Nicholas yeah. Cage
1: movies you guys were doing. Well, oh, I was yeah. very glad, and I immediately we had to queue it cage. up when I saw you guys did one on Knowing, which is one of the most baffling and one of my personal favorite Nicolas Cage seen that movies one, that he's I've done. That's things. the one where Nicolas Cage Googles 9-11. Fuck
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what was that Does thing? Does he solve in New York? it all? <laughs> Does
1: he solve everything? It has been per- like permanently ingrained in my brain, the image of Nicolas Cage going, 9-11, what is that? I feel like, and, like I've Googling, heard that before. <laughs> Googling it. Yeah. Well, all, the, all the
3: world's problems do get solved in the end, and I recommend checking it
1: out. Yeah. oh yeah.
2: <laughs> I love the cage.
1: Exactly. But this week we are going into 80s fantasy trash on the uh, lower budget end and the higher budget end, Uh, and I think we're just going to jump right into it. We are going to start with Beastmaster.
3: By the way, by the end of this podcast, everyone listening and us are going to own a van and paint a wizard on it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's already on my to-do list.
0: (laughs) Conquer your fears. Face the unknown,
3: and discover the incredible link between man, animal, and all that is phantasmagorical in the world of Dungeons, Dragons, and Dar, the Beastmaster,
1: the epic adventure of a new kind of hero. All right, so we are talking The Beastmaster. It is a 1982 sword and sorcery fantasy film directed by Don Corscarelli. Sounds right. Starring uh, one Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, John Amos, and of course the late great Rip Torn, who I believe just passed away in the last like month or two, I think. Like Uh, pretty recently. So uh, it was interesting actually to see Riptorn because I feel like I had only seen him in comedy movies and like The Insider before. <laughs> <laughs> so I was yeah. like, all right, let's see, the guy seemed like he had an interesting career, and here uh, he really likes the the smell of burning children flesh. Oh uh, yeah, which was an air, <laughs> uh, an interesting character choice uh, <laughs> for him. Um, but the Beastmaster largely follows uh, a guy named. Can't believe this is his name. Just Dar. <laughs> Dar. Yeah. Darn, yeah. yeah, just powerful. Yeah, his name's just Dar, uh, and and he's the Beastmaster. master. Uh, he, he's the son of of a king, um, and he had a weird thing happen to him at birth, where three witches did a good old prophecy, where they were like, "The son of that king is gonna fuck you up, Riptorn." And yeah. He's like, o- "Okay, I'm gonna kill that son, I guess." But he does it by teleporting him out of his mother's womb into the womb of a cow,
2: which gives <laughs> him
1: the power of beast. Yeah. And yeah. He, he just it's goes amazing. beast mode. A plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know if that's how they intended to. Like, does that kill someone? I mean, I've never tried to teleport someone into the womb of a cow, (laughs) but I I don't assume. (laughs) I don't know the logistics of like. Does some people just can't survive that? I guess Uh, it was the idea that it would get crushed in the womb of a cow. But instead, he is birthed and he is gifted powers to telepathically speak and command uh, his, his his fellow beasts. Yes. Um, and very similar to Conan the Barbarian, he goes on a mission of revenge to get revenge on the people who uh, slaughtered his w-
2: whole village. Yeah, <laughs>
1: slaughtered his village. Uh, so I, I, I think it's implied they killed his mom and they think that he killed his dad, but his dad later comes back in the movie and his dad is actually just kind of like fucked up and like a drunk or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's also blind. Yeah, yeah. He, oh yeah, he's also blind, right? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think that's basically the trajectory of of that
2: film. Yeah. The, I, the first thing that I noticed, especially when, uh, he starts traveling on his kind of vengeance journey is the, like just, just the, Straight up reference to Conan the Barbarian when he's like on top of the mountain. He even does, I think, the same sword stance and everything, where he kind of points it out. He doesn't look nearly as uh, he man, obviously, as Arnold, but uh, the guy gives a bit of a, a decent physical performance. Yeah, I, I I'd have say.
1: to know how this played out because Conan and the Beastmaster both came out in
3: 1982. Oh, it's oh, right. it's yeah, the but same they year. started they started promoting Conan the Barbarian in like 1980. Like they were making it, they were trying to get it made forever, and I think. Rahl maybe has a similar trajectory where they started making it in like 1980 and they finally release it
1: years later. Okay, because it's just it's just interesting because we've done Conan the Barbarian on the show. We did Conan yeah. the Destroyer on the show. We uh. It's, it, to go back to Conan the Barbarian, like, we were really surprised at how that movie's reputation makes it think it's a little bit of more of, like, a Camp Flash Gordon type experience. Yeah, and which we is watched more that, the
2: sequel, because the first one's pretty gritty.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were watching it, and we were like, wow, this is way more moody and grim. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, despite, you know, the fact that, you know, whatever Arnold's skill as a performer is, <laughs> he, he he looks the part of the actual sort of, like, pulp almost painting uh, sort of right. look that they yeah, were going for. Absolutely. And there's kind of like a, a, a rage to that film that I don't know. I just I ended up feeling it a lot more than I expected to. And also when you have actors like Max von Sydow and James Earl Jones kind of in the periphery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Jones there was a lot more class to that film than I I expected. <laughs> um, yeah,
3: more, more so than Beastmaster.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then so, so
3: Beastmaster feels so like dark, the movie the people
1: way. told me that I was going to expect with Conan a little bit.
3: Yeah. That's true. I mean, Conan, you think it's going to be more trashy, but this is way more trashy than that. But still, <laughs> it's trying to maintain that kind of Conan balance. Dar, dar, you know, his 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 body's fine, Mark Singer. I don't want to body shave him. Oh, no. He's killing it. It's like Arnold meets, like, Mark Hamill
1: or something. Yeah,
2: a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the the guy definitely uh, like like Arnold's physique is just so like like cartoonishly <laughs> huge. Yeah, and and, and he, it looks perfect for the role of 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 Conan, this character is just massive. And it's yeah, just so he, it, he
3: got that way, remember, by just pushing uh, a rock around in a circle. I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's, that's how he got
1: that, body. that. That is that is the yeah, it's a montage of him growing his hair and muscles getting bigger <laughs> as he just like spins a giant for wheel years around. And years.
3: <laughs> well, that's terrific. <laughs>
1: Yeah, works out perfectly. Yeah, funny enough, I actually think it was uh, the last time we talked to Arnold too. It was it was Chris Cabin who brought him on. We talked uh, Pumping Iron and oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last Action Hero was what we were talking. Those but, are both great
3: films too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we ended up talking about Arnold a lot on this show already. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was interesting to see, cause, cause I I gotta be honest with you, if we're gonna like be honest right up front here, I did not get much out of mark singer as an actor now i haven't seen anything else that he's been in or any other performances that he's done is was, there anything else notable that you a, can think of
3: yeah he was in v i believe back in you know this is like what like a mini series or whatever in the 80s so oh wow okay. it's around the same time um you'll see also with the uh the film crawl the actor is also kind of uh Missing <laughs>
1: <laughs> like no, nobody nobody watched these uh, you know decently budgeted fantasy films and were like that's the guy for my movie, my next movie yeah you know yeah. that just didn't seem to happen
3: oh wait uh, a second now the CW is a television network I've heard or or whatever that I've never seen but apparently exists so I just went to Mark singer's Wikipedia page and apparently he's in the third season of the
1: uh, of arrow <laughs> Amazing. All okay. right. So he's getting that superhero paycheck. <laughs> yeah. So
3: that's television work. That's not, you
1: know, yeah, not too bad. Movie. Nothing wrong with the CW. If you can, you know, if you just like shows that the reason all of them exist and the reason there's any dramatic pull for any of them, I've said this before, uh, is just that everybody is insanely hot, no matter what age. If you're playing the six-year-old character, you're playing the 20-year-old character, like, you are a fox on every level. So then the drama of every one of those shows is that anyone could fuck anyone at any time.
0: Yeah.
3: You don't just know who. Ripping with Constant yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Doesn't matter, like, what the basic plot is. I mean, they're all trashy genre <laughs> riffs in some capacity of superheroes or fantasy or sci-fi or horror, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, now they got, they got what, Archie? But scary and hot, like <laughs> yeah, that's, their yeah. <laughs> right that's their big show right <laughs> now.
2: That's hilarious.
1: Uh, so you know what? If Mark, if that's you know where Mark Singer ended up, good I for you, buddy. I think it suits him <laughs> by
2: this by this film. He's a pretty, uh, we'll say, a ad- dirty guy. Like he, the the thing that he does when he introduces himself to the woman at first, I found quite charming in a sense, just kind of, well, not maybe charming, but just funny, and because uh, you know he's using his tiger controlling powers to convince her that he's saving her or whatever and i thought that that was a little bit funny and kind of a meet cute and then he goes and starts to show us that if she didn't fight back he'd probably just sexually assault this woman (laughs) so it was kind of like oh okay so is this where your character's at
3: yeah this is like the it's like the year zero equivalent of like a dude going to a park with a dog and trying to meet ladies
2: yeah yeah exactly
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as his journey kind of like unfolds, which is just like him mostly seeking revenge against uh, which, again, I do have to wonder. Did they read the script for Conan or something? Because, again, it is like a cult yeah, it does who like, murdered very his, similar, his, his, his entire plot family fans. or his like makeshift family anyway, yeah. which is the exact same plot that, that Conan goes through, except it's James Earl Jones brutally decapitating um, his mother and then stealing his father's sword. Right. Um, and it, it was interesting to me that this was like the exact same plot, just with like a little bit less money. With an actor who is somehow a little bit less expressive than
2: Arnold is, yeah, um, and they try to add all like the cutesy stuff too a little more. Uh, you know, you have the animal. It's a little bit more kid friendly things. for sure. Yeah, I mean, except cr- Crawl here's is that too. the thing: too. it's it. The crawl definitely. This one though, I went into it thinking it was more kid friendly. But there's like four pairs of boobs in this movie. So <laughs> I mean, It's, it's definitely not and like yes, four right, kids. It's still rated PG or something. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a PG I movie. It's like so. back, in the, back in the 80s, they were just like, whatever, kids, see those boobies. Like, there you go. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. You got those. You got it. You have impalement. You have like decapitation. You have that, it's it's crazy in that regard. Yeah, it's interesting because the violence. I, you, you said it was almost a sexual assault when they met. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's how they meet. Why not? <laughs> and then, and then, even to convince him to actually help them, she's basically like, "I'll be your girlfriend," kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like uh, the the scene on the boat where he's like, uh, the the little kid goes up to him and asks, "Can you help us? You know, can we need to to fight these people?" And he's like, "Why don't you get your cousin to ask me?" <laughs> 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 and you're like holy shit this you're guy like, is you're, a you're like, don't
1: you also want revenge on these people like i <laughs> yeah, thought this was like, the mission but
2: he's purely instead he's just like, motivated by his wang instead.
3: But, uh, and those people are the the june which is like a like a uh, marauder horde of uh of these guys and to bring it back to like conan the barbarian you're totally right because i believe there was a snake cult in that yeah and, snake
1: sex oh, cult yeah who want to have orgies with the princess or something
3: and now, and, and to contrast now in, in Beastmaster, it's, you know, they, they're also quoted uh, as having a heathen religion and it's more dealing with human sacrifice and man, the, I don't, there's a lot of weird shit in this movie and I love it. Like for <laughs> some reason, Rip Torn has a, a, like a bird nose, like this prosthetic <laughs> nose. Yeah, I and don't
1: know what that is. That's and true, his, yeah. His,
3: his name is Mayax.
1: Is it? Did they say his name at what point? Yeah. I didn't oh, yeah. hear awesome. it. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great in the name. Credits,
3: in the credits, it's, it's it looks like it's Max with two A's. So I was like, <laughs> oh, it's Mayax? No, but it's Mayax.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Do
3: you know who they originally tried to cast as Mayax?
2: No. They,
3: Klaus Kinski.
2: What?
3: They I couldn't don't... agree on the money. Oh. So they got ripped toward instead. It's it, that's gonna, Supposedly, I think... Demi Moore as well. Yeah, Demi Moore they- was
1: definitely yes. supposed to be the, uh, to be the Tanya Roberts character. Oh, yeah, okay. the slave girl. I think her name is Kiri in the film. Yeah,
2: because yes. that's isn't that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that the mother from that '70s show? Well, or not the mother, but the the neighbor's mother. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, because yeah, I'm like I th- I swear I've seen this girl before. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a Bond girl in uh, you Do a Kill. Oh, okay, awesome! I didn't know that
1: god damn yeah this was a weird movie i had a weird experience watching this movie yeah because i I gotta say going into it with like no nostalgia for it this was my first time watching it i heard about it but it's my first time watching it this is like my
3: five (laughs) hundred yeah so
1: and and i i did hear that it got a huge rep it didn't do particularly well at the box office but it got a huge reputation playing non-stop on tbs and hbo it was just like a movie that you turn on and like people watched it on cable TV. One just of those all man movies. Yeah, it was a man movie, I guess. <laughs> but but it's weird because it, to me, it like Mark Singer didn't read to me as like the most. He's kind of like, oh, he's got like a just a different look to him. Sure, like, yeah. he wasn't the most macho look. He wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wasn't, no, he no. doesn't look like an action star to me. He kind of just, I, agree. I mean, he's 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 fit for sure, he but didn't he, he still has be. like a goofy energy to him. That like, <laughs> yeah, a little I,
3: bit. He doesn't have to be fit if his panther and his eagle and <laughs> all these right. other things
2: are fit. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. He already has his his cunning and his strength and whatever the other one was that I forget. Yeah, because he's
1: because he's got an eagle. He's got he's got his panther with him, and then he's got two ferrets. Well, I was yeah. like, yes. We're, "We're the best." Which which they both rule, by the way. Yes. And I, I genuinely this is and this isn't even saying that much. Like, too, I'm not being too harsh when I say this. I don't think <laughs> the ferrets are the best performers in this movie. I
2: think. Oh yeah. They are unbelievable. Yeah, they're very good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they, they have a great character journey. I wonder too, where they were trained. They, they start out trying to steal Dar's, like, belts and, <laughs> yeah. like, sword and money or something. Yeah,
0: they're mischievous. They have a
3: rocky relationship at first. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually, like, it leads to, like, Dar falling in quicksand, and the ferret comes to save him, and then, like, he almost lets that one ferret die, and he goes back into the quicksand and saves and by the way, the quicksand
1: is also tying these two films together.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, there I was going to say quicksand, quicksand was a big deal in the 80s. They yeah. were really Thank worried you. about it. <laughs> they were really
1: fucking scared. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I got to say, I love the two ferrets. They're named Kodo and Podo, yeah. and they're very important to where this film eventually gets to. Because I will say, as I was watching this, and you know, we talked a decent amount of fantasy at this point on the show because we've also done Legend, um, mm-hmm. we've done the Conan films. Um, we're we're still waiting on doing. I think we're trying to do Excalibur, and there's a couple other Borman ones we haven't done that we're, yeah. we're waiting on. But watching this, I was like, wow, I think this is the fantasy film where I've been like the least engaged mm. with with the. Sort of like the the characters and the setting, uh, despite the fact that I was really engaged by most of the animal stuff, which is like the That's, draw of the film, right? Yeah, I was kind of um, there too. And, and the set,
3: the setting is nothing, by the way. It's just like it's like an open desert. There are a couple <laughs> yeah, of towns in California, we see?
1: which and it's obviously yeah. California. Like. <laughs> yeah. And we
3: do get they when they show like establishment shots of towns and stuff. It's like these miniatures, <laughs> and I love <laughs> yeah. that. It's like no, this doesn't exist. Now we're just going to do a quick. Like a close up shot on Dar going down this corridor of this town. (laughs) That is massive. Don't worry about
1: it. Yeah, they they just, they just, they they strategically never show you much. And it's the same rule with the action in this movie, too, because a lot of it is just like they shoot it really close and just kind of hope that like you know because you can't see some of it your brain's just going to kind of hopefully do the rest for it because even some of the sword fighting I just I don't know if Mark Singer just couldn't fight or they didn't they couldn't find a convincing stunt double for him or something but like when he's doing sword fights and stuff like there's like three to four cuts on like a lot of the different moves that he does (laughs) and it's cutting between like a super intense close-up of like his biceps and his face where like (laughs) you can't see the action that he's doing and then so
0: fast yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: And I, was, dark.
1: and I was just like man they are really shooting this to cut around the fact that they have a pretty limited budget to you know be able to do convincing action or even have convincing sets the one set it looks like they did build was the temple Yes, which they again put all their money
3: into I think yeah they yeah, put absolutely. all the money
1: into Riptorn's temple that he's burning children on top of oh yeah
3: and the one kid he throws down he throws down this like slot this, it's like a stone slide into the fire of this temple to sacrifice these candidates which reminded me of a Christmas story with oh
2: the whole <laughs> dude. I'm so happy you said that because that's exactly what I put. Because he because <laughs> he grabs the thing and starts trying to poke the kid into the fire, <laughs> <laughs> just like the Santa with the boot. Oh my god, that's so funny, man!
3: <laughs> but instead of yeah, instead Dar with the eagle does rescue that initial child. Um, by the way, totally which is a
2: great
1: shot. Well, yeah, totally by accident. My favorite shot in the entire movie is the dummy of the child being. Carried by the eagle,
2: swinging (laughs) through the wind. And I think it's
3: partially a cartoon too. I think they added a little in post of drawing on
1: top. (laughs) Oh my god! It's well because it's so good. Because again, they to make it convincing, they have to do so many different cuts of this action happening. And there's a one three-second shot, and that's it. You get, like, the e- a close-up of the eagle's claws grabbing the cloth, and then, like, the eagle's close-up as he, like, takes off. Yeah, and, and then, then there's like, one, a
2: point-of-view shot, I Exactly,
1: think. and there's one three-second shot of a wide shot of the eagle just carrying, like, probably a 100, 150-pound <laughs> child. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like that makes no sense (laughs) but i love that part so i will (laughs) say that part
2: i love that a lot of the
1: animal stuff in this is probably like the stuff that i had the most fun because again yeah uh, on a technical level in comparison to other fantasy that maybe it's just because we've watched so much of like the more technically impressive fantasy i mean when we did we did legend we were talking about the set designer for alien as well as scott directing that right so and when we did conan you know um, you at least had, uh, sort of, you had John Milius and I forget who, who was shooting that one, but I remember it being a pretty, uh, Im- impressive cinematographer as well. Um, and just like the look and the budget that those guys were able to accomplish for those films, like really contributed hugely to the way that those worked and seeing one where they just they didn't have any of that. So the thing to be the most technically impressed by is, I think, actually the performances they were able to get out of these animals.
2: Yeah, they're incredible, <laughs> yeah. honestly, like especially just the, the the back and forth between the two ferrets, like even when they're there's a great sequence where they're trying to cut the rope. <laughs> and then the one of the ferrets is like, you're not going to cut my buddy. So he runs up and jumps and bites him in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like these uh, all the uh, really humorous and and uh, kind of adorable moments definitely come from from the animals. It's where I felt the most. Yeah, it, it really because I with the characters themselves, I don't feel like I felt a lot and I don't even think I really liked very much <laughs> as, a, as a dude, like it was hard to, hard to I, be yeah, on I his team.
3: They, de- they <laughs> definitely got more human performances out of the animals. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that's Sports a good, good way of putting it. More humanity in the ferrets.
1: I definitely found Mark Singer as Dar like completely unexpressive and unreadable to the point where. I actually was chuckling a little bit. There were a couple times where there would be like, you know, there would be a dramatic moment. And like, there's a, for example, there's a part where he's talking to these two pilgrims who are trying to like, you know, get him on the side of the people and fighting back, you know, this, this sort of like child sacrificing cult. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, despite the fact that that's the cult that killed his people, his, his people that he's seeking revenge off for some reason, he's not convinced to do it just yet, <laughs> yeah. which is like the complete opposite <laughs> of Conan, who is like it, his entire mission is like this rage filled, you know, the yeah decapitated my mother. to end, yeah, exactly. That's, See, his that's
3: because Dar is a thinking man's Conan. You know, he's hanging <laughs> out with the animals. He's got different ways to communicate. He's not all—he's um, not all just knock down the door and murder. Like,
1: <laughs> right, right. And it, but it, it's interesting when he's talking to them, and it would—you know—they'll say something to him, like ask him a question, like you know, man, like 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 now that you know you saved us or whatever, like who are you? And it's just a, like an extreme close-up of his face, completely blank stare. And he does nothing. And then sometimes he'll do that blank stare and he'll just nod. And I feel like they just captured him nodding because he wasn't really sure, like, what the next thing was to do. Keep, um,
3: in, mind, keep in mind he was born out,
2: out of a cow.
1: Yeah, so, it's true. If
2: yes. might put some defects in. Yeah, he might uh, miss <laughs> a few sh- social cues. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: and his, th- his, his, he's got, like, a
3: cow mind. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, and he has the immortal line, I'm Dar. <laughs> I am Dar. Yeah, the, I am Dar, and that's that's just kind of it. That's just what he says. Good They're enough just like,
3: for me. Yeah, thanks, dude. Or
2: whatever, whatever I saw this
1: yeah, the, the only time honestly he's expressive is when he's super horny. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, then he's just lively and ready to go. Yeah, there's like a
1: scantily clad slave girl around, and he's like, you know, creeping on her while she's taking a bath, and his he's charisma like,
2: goes to from ten to one hundred yeah. easy. <laughs> But I mean, like he,
3: but like his villains are, are, the, are the the I think it's the Jun anyway, J U N I believe, and they're all masked except for uh, Mayax, the I guess the high priest. Right. So, so those guys got no emotion, and in so far that even that sequence you were talking about earlier with the uh, cutting of the rope, they are making like Bane. Uh, <laughs> From, from Robin, Batman and Robin. You know, like, the got like the yeah. people yeah, that a
2: people. That's a good like, comparison.
3: Clearing out their brains and making them like mindless monsters. So Dar <laughs> is like so much more human than his opposition, really.
1: It's true. Like when we're comparing yeah. it on this level, it's like <laughs> yeah. the bare minimum that Dar does is slightly more expressive than the completely uh, uh, mute, like weirdo child sacrifice sacrificing cult. <laughs> yeah so that's good but again not as expressive as podo and kodo <laughs> no who while they're like stealing keys and shit and like fucking people up a complete joy and they get the best moment um near near the, the climax of the film when dar i think because the slave girl makes out with him he's like okay i guess i'll get revenge on the slave cult again now he's been convinced <laughs> yeah um and he, he approaches, and the funniest thing about this scene, which should be horrifying, because this is supposed to be, this is a PG movie, it's for kids. The funniest thing is when Dar, totally. <laughs> when Dar approaches and he infiltrates the sex cult, which again is the exact same scene as when Arnold Schwarzenegger hilariously puts on like a priest robe, thinking that like he can blend in no. with the priest, despite the fact that his physique is like, again, we've, we've mentioned this tons of times on this show, but every time someone crafts a movie around Arnold Schwarzenegger going undercover. It's the most unintentionally (laughs) hilarious thing that happens because he's the least undercover person in any room he's ever been in. Yeah. Um,
3: I also like this snake. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) exactly. And it's the same scene where he approaches and he, he puts on like, you know, like a little outfit and he joins the people in the mass to kind of like watch the, 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 temple ceremony going down. Um, and Dar, he doesn't, he doesn't immediately like get involved he lets rip uh, Ripthorn, uh kill a child first <laughs> yeah. he, like I, like, like i don't I, a I don't know if he thinks that he's just like he's not <laughs> serious about it or not <laughs> but but Torn just like picks up a child the child's screaming and he tosses him into the flames and the child dies and the whole time Dar has just been standing there watching this those guys happen. Like, oh,
2: maybe I should make moves now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and, and it's only when Riptorn picks up the second child <laughs> yeah. that Dar's like, oh shit, I guess maybe I should be doing something or like, why and am I here? I'm pretty here? sure he
2: get, this is the, I think that's the child too that tries to climb up. So yeah, that's the yeah. child. He does throw him in. He, he wastes that much time. He throws <laughs> another child in. It's just Probably. this kid's a little more. You Know ready for it, yeah. He's
1: like, that kid I, deserves to get saved because he's like trying to live. <laughs> I, think,
2: I think Dar now, Dar
3: is like, okay, they killed one kid, they're gonna conserve kids, you know, they're not a dime a dozen nowadays. You kill all the kids you want, there's tons of them constantly. But in this, in this California desert, they're hard to come by, so you think you'd conserve your kids.
1: Yeah. So Dar, Dar was just like, "You won't do another one. No way he'll <laughs> That'd do be another barbaric. one." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he goes up there. He does this hilariously, uh, like weirdly choreographed. I, I don't. I guess just like nobody could fight sword fight, where like they're just kind of blindly swinging at each other, and eventually the guy just straight up misses dar so he like kicks him off the temple (laughs) uh and sword
3: sword fighting hadn't been invented yet this is like that early fantasy before like the middle ages so people just swung stuff around
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very it's very clearly inspired by like uh sword and sandal like bronze age kind of kind of stuff nobody knew what they were doing they were just crawling over each other (laughs) yeah (laughs) seeing seeing what stuck you know um, And I think at this point, this is the climax of the film when he's getting revenge. Yeah. The, the dad's up there, right? The blind dad is up there. Yeah. Oh, wait. Has... I want to
3: stop you really quick because I want to see what you guys thought about the digestive bat
2: creatures. Oh, oh right. Yeah, those were bad. They come, ass.
3: In, they come in early in the film. They, they, they're they peppered throughout and they play a big part at the second climax for some reason there's two, there's in this two. Movie. yeah there's two
1: climax yeah when the first one <laughs> the ended i was a I, I was like wait i was checking the time because so i was like there's like 25 minutes left in this movie yeah, <laughs> they just killed off the priest <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so right. these, die- these bat creatures are like man bats or whatever these <laughs> tall fucking dudes with like these wings that they keep i guess their digestive tre- their stomach is in their wings and they grab people <laughs> And they suck all their flesh off of them, and they open up their arms again,
2: their wings, and just bones fall out. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's very cool. I did, I did like that a lot. I just uh, was, I, I was there. Any backstory to them at all, or is it kind of just like a creature that's within the in, the environment, the world that they? Yeah, were were they beasts? Could he control them?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. He,
2: <laughs> he had. He,
3: it was like a tense standoff there because. He was like oh shit what are these dudes because they saw some dude they had like a guy in a cage i guess saving him for later
1: their wings <laughs> were full at that point in time
2: yeah they're saving him for midnight yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> that guy gets out he gets eaten and then dar's there and all these man, man bats or whatever these <laughs> things are and they see that the eagle likes dar so they Worship the eagle for some reason,
2: and they that guy's Dar- got wings too. Yes, <laughs> that's really the only correlation that I can make.
3: They give Dar this bitch an amulet that has a that has a <laughs> falcon on it. Doesn't come to much of anything. I don't.
1: <laughs> no, it, it doesn't end up being as much use as like the ferrets, you know? Oh, yeah,
2: no. who are crazy. One in, one in particular.
1: Well, yeah, they, they would not have been We're able to do any of about. the shit that they did in this in this movie without the ferrets.
2: No because those those motherfuckers were stealing the ferrets are the heroes I actually think
1: the ferrets have the biggest body count and they also (laughs) (laughs) they might man they they also uh, steal the keys and sneak out with the keys they also uh, cut the bridge down yep Um, uh, I think it's Poto at the end straight up sacrifices himself to kill the priest he's the one who actually kills the priest was very upset by
2: that by the way yeah
1: that's that's definitely the most
2: legitimately depressed yeah (laughs) Rip and killed by a ferret it was pretty cool.
3: It like Monty Python You know, like the, the ferret moves like the rabbit in Monty Python on the Holy Grail which just shoots out and <laughs> yeah. his neck.
1: Just tearing through his neck and I'm like, I don't know that they could really do that. I'm so, if so, maybe I should be more scared of ferrets.
2: <laughs> yeah. Speaking <laughs> of the ferrets too with his death, I love that the, I feel like the writer or the director, whichever, whichever made the decision here, uh, where they were like, We'll show the baby ferrets yeah. just to throw you guys a bone. You know, it was yeah. kinda like, Yeah, you know, we, we we had the ferret sacrifice himself and that's very sad. But here are the children. So, yeah. you know, take take happiness in that. Yeah. And I felt cheated regardless. Poto <laughs>
1: two and three, you know.
2: Yeah. We're all good. I felt sad, even even more sad watching the watching these uh these ferrets now without a father.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was weird <laughs> watching a movie that is ostensibly very dramatic. Um, yeah. And that the most genuinely dramatic thing is uh, that the the ferret dies.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's – I feel like that's in every movie. Like, you see a dog die in a movie, suddenly that's like – I mean, that's a genre of film now for some reason. <laughs> Pers- but, well, I guess, you, I guess it's actually a good thing because, like, if you're going to have dogs die in movies, you know, whatever, do what you want. It should – that's your movie because – you can't just have dogs dying in regular movies and move on from that.
2: I will I will say it's nice that it was like uh, a sacrificial move like that the 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 priest was going to stab the lead. Yeah. It's just that I liked the ferret more than the lead. <laughs> so <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, "I wish so, you got stabbed not, a little, bro." You're not
3: wrong. And then like their ripcord is out of the picture and then suddenly we're gearing up for the second climax, and this is where John Amos from um, Coming to America and Die Hard 2 is like now Dar second in command, and he starts like readying this town for like a siege from, from the, the June Horde that someone sees on the horizon.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, and they have the whole city like surrounded by this tar moat of some kind, it seems, I, yeah, like, which like, they use for the, the big old. Yeah, there, there's a lot of people tragic. yelling
1: about a moat for sure. Yeah, I cover that the mode because yeah. they,
3: they, they set it on fire when when, when the, the Jun horde come, and the Jun leader, which should have been, a, like, you're building this guy up to be the leader of the Jun. I mean, I feel like Mayox should have been the leader of the Jun, and this guy should have been, like, his lieutenant that you killed before you killed Mayox, but we're yeah. doing it the other way around here.
1: Yeah, I, also, I definitely got to that point, and I, I was curious if the movie... Had, had ha- a reason had, had earned like a two towers type situation Where yeah, they like yeah. we finished one battle Let's gear up for the second one Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I, and I was like I, I don't know I, don't I also yeah,
3: <laughs> For some reason I love this movie yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's earned at all
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well see this is why we were interested To have you on because Jamie and I I think are both in the same boat that we were not Crazy about this one We we, we definitely had some fun in it And I mean we, oh, yeah. we, we also are calibrated To appreciate you know Cheap movies that, you know, don't have, uh, a you know,
2: maybe a you know, studio filter or that, or yeah. And, and
1: don't have performance calibers that you would expect of, you know, things that, you know, people that can, af- can afford more. But we mm, also spend yeah. a lot of time, you know, looking through the trash, looking for people. Yeah. Who who found their own unique craft or who found, you know, something. And I was sitting here watching this one and I was like, this seems just like Conan, but a little more technically inept, (laughs) a little more uh, sort of less expressive and less moody with performances across the board that for the most part range from like fine to not working. Uh, and the thing that was the most impressive was mostly the animal stuff and just the straight up goofiness that comes from like the absurdity of, you know, some of the, uh, the, the premise, the construction, some of the conceived
2: ideas.
3: Am I correct to assume you guys haven't seen any of the sequels?
2: We have not seen any of the sequels. but I saw, I looked them up after and I saw that the second one has like a, like a red sports car and they go back in time or or not back in time. They go go forward forward. in time. They go to 1990.
3: Star in 1991, hanging out in the city. What? Yeah. And believe, I'm definitely going to check it out. Back. The
2: what? ferrets um, are back, and, even, and, even and the, Mark Singer's the in the it? OG ferret, or is or is he still uh, dead? <laughs> I think I think it's maybe the next... because. Uh, I, f- I was hoping that if they had a time machine, they could go back, save the ferret, and then go into the future after that.
1: Hey, man, I'm adding this to my watch list as we oh, speak. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm throwing I it have on there. not
3: seen Beastmaster 2 in a long time, so I can't tell you for sure, but at the end of this movie... Kodo gives birth because Kodo's the one that dies apparently.
1: Yeah, Cod- yeah, Kodo's. Oh, okay, yeah.
3: So the, so the baby ferrets, then I guess, might be the next ones he's hanging out with. And right, I, you know, I, I can't tell you for sure. And I thought there was only two of these movies for my entire life and I was tweeting about Beastmaster, like I often do. Um, <laughs> this was like last summer, maybe. I was just thinking about Beastmaster and. <laughs> corrected me that there is a third beastmaster movie which i've not seen and it was made for television but mark singer is
2: back as dark. he does the trilogy that's God awesome
1: damn that's, <laughs> that's commitment that's commitment i like that good for you
2: that Could makes me want to watch it because the only thing I hate when it, they get to these deep sequels is when things just kind of just start. It's, it, it they're just like, using
1: the title. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And the fact that at least the the lead Dar guy is still in there that that would make me want to watch them for sure. And the second one, I just saw the premise and I was like, that might be hilariously awful, and yes. or or good, I don't know, but <laughs> but most likely bad and in the best way possible. So I'm definitely going to check out. The I remember the
3: second one being. This or lesser. <laughs> but 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 I could be I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, by the way, now we get the second climax here. This is where I just want to mention that the the, the bat men come back and start digesting people, and the and the Juna defeated, and now Dar, even though he's the rightful king of this <laughs> shit mountain or whatever this he <laughs> is. He decides to abdicate his throne and like wander the earth or whatever and lets this um, kid they picked up along the way who is also like his little brother, I believe, be the ruler under John Amos'
0: tutelage.
1: Yep, and it's again, it's the same ending as Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> where, where he
1: he walks off with the to be continued on other sort of adventures. I also love has. how
2: after all this, like the uh, it seemed like he was more interested in in courting the girl than anything else, even though he was on this vengeance mission. Yeah, he just a leaves man. without talking to her at all like a complete (laughs) savage and she has to come up to him and be like yo what what the fuck
1: man yeah dude i thought we weren't connecting yeah yeah
2: i just thought that that was also uh hilarious and the uh the ending battle between the the like the big uh john guy
0: yeah um
2: it's it the last shot of him is just him being tossed into like a line of fire but it doesn't show the death or anything it's just kind of like You've been tossed into this fire. We now know you are dead because you're off screen. I don't know if you guys also No, I did that not pick all. up on that no? one, but oh, that's okay. interesting. But that's because when they're battling, I think I, I think he probably gives them a stab or so, something. So they definitely show the more fire. of the
1: child murder than they do the villain murder, <laughs> yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, actually. Gotcha. They
2: definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: movie was shot by John Alcott, by the way, which blows my mind.
2: That's the guy, that's
1: that's Kubrick's, uh, cinematographer from the seventies and eighties. So he shot Barry Lyndon, he shot Clockwork Orange, he shot The Shining, um, and later in the eighties, he even shot one of our favorite, um, sort of like, uh, neon crime ones too. He did Vice Squad, that kind of like really scuzzy, scuzzy, uh, gritty one with, uh, um, shit, what was his name? Wings Hauer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah?
3: Oh yeah. Wings Houser, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that so I, I was sitting there going, man, I've seen a lot of John Elcott's movies, and they are all really technically like accomplished films. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this, and I was like, what happened, dog? <laughs> uh, what 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 went wrong there? Just on like a shot construction and like like editing level and everything. I was like, man, uh, I mean, I, I guess that's what. Like just the lack of money will will do for you. I mean, I guess they had eight million dollars. They were probably on a tight schedule to get this done. In I mean, if they didn't conceive it until after they were already making Conan and they released it the same year as Conan, you could assume that they went pretty fast in development on this one. Yeah, uh, which is pretty amazing. That was what we heard about. That oh my god, that was what we heard about. Shit, the really bad dude, House of the Dead. What's that guy?
2: Oh. Uh, um... Yui Bull Uwe or something Bull. like that. Yeah. By yeah. The,
1: again, hopefully he doesn't add us again. Uh, <laughs> that was he got, hilarious. He got really he mad does. at our episode <laughs> when we talked about House of the Dead, but we talked, we mentioned that they greenlit House of the Dead around the time the marketing campaign came out for Resident Evil and they released it within like nine months. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> And we were like, wow, okay, that's really impressive. It sounds like that's this, but for Conan the Barbarian. And then I, I will say though, definitely better than House of the Dead.
2: Oh yeah, World's I won't, I, I, I won't better. <laughs> I don't wanna comp- I don't wanna compare it to House Yeah, of we won't dead go that all.
3: far. I, I would say this is better than Resident Evil, but that's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen the, the director's other films? The Phantasm series? I've seen, I have
1: not seen the Phantasm I've seen series, the but Jamie's
2: Phantasm, seen the first and one. I and I really liked it. I just really? it's I been I a while. Find them,
3: I find them aggressively terrible. I feel like the Oh each, yeah each, incarnation gets worse and, and then it's, it's such an ill-defined mythos as well um i think this is his best movie
2: really oh, nice
0: because
2: yeah. i i mean i've only seen the first phantasm but i i well, how many of the you? oh yeah there's like, like four it. or
1: five of them right wow yeah yeah there's, yeah. there's quite a bit
3: god damn there well, is, yeah i think there might be yeah i think there's five wow
1: All right. Well, I think we're going to enter the reductive rating round on this one. And for for you, Eric, this is the part where we remove all the words, all the nuance, and we reduce the movie to a number between one and five. Uh, And also it's become kind of like the final statement section. So if there's a scene you haven't got to mention or like, you know, any any sort of uh, sort of closing statement you'd like to make about the film. Uh, this is the place to do it, and I think Eric. I'm going to let you go first on this one. I want to hear your closing arguments because <laughs> I'm 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 stuck between two ratings right now. Yeah, I'm leaning okay. towards one though, and I want to hear Eric's case before I make my call. We're in <laughs> well, we're in court you know, right now, buddy.
3: <laughs> like I say, sometimes on um, We Hate Movies, it's okay to like a movie, and it's also definitely okay to dislike a movie or even hate a movie. Um, <laughs> I think I've got nostalgia blinders for a lot of this movie because I just watched it so many times when I was a little shit-eating kid.
1: Now, <laughs> did you watch it on VHS or TV or something? That- uh,
3: TV, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I grew up with, like, my parents were one of these weirdos that they got all, like, the, every cable station imaginable, so I watched all the movie channels and whatnot uh, on repeat, so... I saw this movie a ton of times and I think that's probably why I'm going to rate it pretty high, but it also features Rip Torn in a, in, a, in, a, in a very weird role for him. He
0: doesn't,
3: <laughs> he doesn't play a lot of child-murdering high priests. <laughs> Not too many. <laughs> I think it's got some imagination to it with the the Batman creatures. I like the animal stuff. The animal stuff is very engaging, so um, when you said It's out of five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do 4.3. Nice. Damn.
1: All right. Very specific, but we like it. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, uh, this is going to get – I think I'm going for it. This is going to get a high two for me.
2: Nice.
1: Um because I was I was leaning towards the 3 but the thing holding me back I think and maybe it just might come with either rewatches or further exploring the fantasy genre cuz maybe we've just been lucky and we've gone through a lot of like the better fantasy stuff yeah. um but like when I was comparing this to some of the other fantasy stuff that we've done on like every level I was like you know legend didn't have the best character stuff for me no. but i was like you had tim curry hamming it up as like the say, uh, satan from uh tenacious d yeah. and then you had the you know a, a really creepily boyish tom cruise in like a like a fairy tale <laughs> uh story and on a technical level like god the the goblins and the sets and you know the way that that was constructed is beautiful and i was like so even though i didn't latch on to the characters usually, i was like wow what a production. And that might just might be having money too. Ridley Scott could probably afford a little bit more. Um, yeah, and then when sure. we were watching Conan, I was like, you know, Conan was a, you know, it, it wasn't quite as gorgeous as something like that, but it did have sort of like a unique atmosphere and mood to it that was like, just, I found like really melancholy and really brutal and like, I mean, obviously the violence in that is frequently gory. Like when he chops yeah. that snake's head off or when James Earl Jones decapitates his um, his his parents. Or even even in terms of like story construction, that bit where James Earl Jones, uh, I, I guess we can say this now, uh, gets his followers to commit a midsummer. Oh yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> uh he, you know, like, like that stuff really, I felt worked. And I mean, especially, um, when we, we knew we did the Conan episode, which by, by the way, if you guys haven't heard that one, we did Conan Barbarian, Conan Destroyer a few months back. If you, yeah. you should probably check that one out too. Um, but like, there's nothing in this that got even close to mirroring like that amazing crane shot that goes over top of Arnold's like uh, sort of back muscles and head <laughs> as he's holding James Earl Jones's head oh. and then it, it, it becomes a high angle shot looking down the giant temple set yeah. at all of his followers Unreal. looking in silence and I'm like that's just like a mesmerizing image whereas when I was watching here everything seemed really clumsily thrown together like on an action level on like you know the, the closest this got was like some of the sunset imagery but again it was very but, obviously geez, like California, yeah, yeah. like it, like it wasn't like Conan where they shot in like these amazing Spanish locales, or even what we're about to talk about, Krull, where they had these amazing like European vistas and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where they got them. It sounded like a little bit of England, a little bit of Italy. It sounded like, yeah. But like, but
3: isn't isn't clumsy a little charming sometimes? It can
1: be. It definitely can oh, be. Yeah. But, but for for me on this one, I was just like, I wish that everything was working just a little bit more. Like I latched onto the characters a little more or I latched onto some of the filmmaking a little bit more. But really, all I had going for me was just the technical impressiveness of the 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 animals and the ferrets. And I ripped to a real Josh. one, Kodo, for sure.
3: You you are actually being generous in your rating. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you were like from a technical point of view, absolutely. i I agree but it's still just
1: exactly but see this is also because i was watching it for the first time as like a jaded uh you know person person in their in their their, their 20s you know so you know sometimes uh, but it's funny it's just on this show typically i think people sometimes pointed out of us we we, we're pretty generous i think sometimes on uh you know stuff when it comes to because we're just we are calibrated to watch stuff that you know maybe didn't have money to be able to afford better things or didn't you know didn't have the best performances like we watched movies where like the performances were probably iffy but i bought into them yeah um whereas for some reason with this one there was just something missing on every single facet of it that i it never properly engaged me and maybe because it was just made for kids i do think the priest was good though riptorn yeah oh well he's he's uh, kind of a weird looking dude i, can't, I think yeah. he's fascinating to just look at also, and he had watch a lot to
2: use wait to hold on a
3: second i saw something on wikipedia the what i was calling bad men are called bird men in here okay fuck this. okay
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well also that maybe more explains why they listen to the eagle <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's all
2: coming together <laughs> makes a lot more sense anyway so yeah they
3: look reptilian
2: yeah a little <laughs> they bit they do Confusing design. Come on, guys. (laughs) I'm also uh, gonna give it the high two. I was going between the two and the three throughout the movie, and basically what I was saying, I was I was pretty on board for most of it. I mean, it definitely is clumsy. You know, the I didn't really latch on to many characters or any characters really, (laughs) Uh, but there there was something you know humorous about it, charming in a way that I mean, the animal uh, performances are uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, but what did it for me, there was the moment where I, it was Kodo. Is that it? Yeah. Kodo where he sacrifices himself. And I just realized that I would have preferred the lead to get killed over <laughs> Kodo. And that I was, was it. Like, you were like, done. I, I, you were yeah. Done. I kind of was, I was like, I don't feel like I should feel like this. Well, you know? like, well, you're, you're like, like, there like,
1: goes the one character I cared about right, in this whole yeah. movie. And
2: I'm like, cause, cause a sacrificial moment should still, obviously it's sad, but you should feel like there's still some some triumph in it. And for me, it was just like, I don't care if this guy didn't get stabbed. So it was like, I just would have preferred uh, that not happen. And it, it just made me realize that I don't think I liked the character at all really and it made me Yes, yeah. See, I, think, like, I, I, why I would have would to go I back and see journey? even
1: if he like emotes much during that scene where Kodos I can I can't remember how much I he emotes in that bit. I don't think he bed. does. Is it just another blank stare and nod at his burning friend?
2: I think so, and he just Could grabs be. the other fe- like the ferret emotes more <laughs> for his lost friend or lost lover I guess because they have babies. Um, so, and then when they showed the babies, I was just kind of like, you've already killed Kodo. You can't, you can't bring this back. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, uh, I was almost on board, but I just felt like they didn't stick the landing. If they did, I probably would have given it the three. I just felt like the, uh, the finale lacked, uh, suspense with everything that was going on. And yeah. Teeny bit long. Yeah. And you know, second climax, probably
1: not necessary. It
2: it is a teeny bit long. I don't think this movie needs to be two hours (laughs) for sure. Uh, (laughs) Um, But but honestly, like if someone were to say to me, hey, I really like the Beastmaster and I'd like to watch it. I would watch this again and give it another shot because I still had a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. It's just overall, I guess it just didn't I, do I, I as want much. more
1: of the scenes where like the ferrets were like stealing the arrows from the dude's crossbows. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, and a great shot, too, actually, was when uh, during one I think it was the village battle, um, an arrow goes into a shield and then he uses the shield arrow to stab somebody and, <laughs> and presses on the shield to get it into the chest, and I thought that was a pretty cool... Uh, There's an action court. beat for you. Yeah, there was a One cool action beat. Action beat. So, uh, so there were a couple moments like that. It's just overall I don't think it stuck the landing, so... Nailed yeah. it. Still had fun with it, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of criticism for Dar and Mark Singer, which is justified because I did, I related mostly to Mayock, Mayock's actually um, <laughs> yeah.
0: The you're,
1: you're, Murderous Priest The Murderous yeah. Priest, right, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. right you I don't like, you know that, like that the that's the what favorites. the movie intended
3: <laughs> I like The Murderous Priest
1: But that is fair, that's I would great. i would agree he is more of a presence to latch on to and yeah. we could, the movie could have used a little bit more of him <laughs> All right, well, I think that will wrap it up for Beastmaster. We are going to be right back and we are going to be talking Krull.
2: Oh, yeah. At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy.
3: Here's the knowledge you seek. I shall be your king.
2: In the
0: fortress, you will face
2: more than the slayers. What is about to happen to them could never have happened on Earth. Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. Crow.
1: All right, we are back and we are talking Crow, the 1983 uh, British American science fantasy swashbuckler. That is the official... Nice. Genre given on wikipedia oh yeah. yeah that's a good combo i like it that that actually is a great introduction to already why i, I liked this movie actually yeah, if yeah. we're getting if we're gonna jump into it that, that way, is, I I don't know. Awesome. Uh, the film directed by peter yates um also uh i ended up just closing that link but the actor's name uh, ken marshall i believe again sort of like mark singer didn't end up doing much else but weirdly enough actually i, di- I didn't mind him in this i thought he was perfectly serviceable yeah i thought he was great the facial hair it's a little too neat a little too trimmed mm. i was like dude you should you know sp- w- w- there's a point we're tra- where he, we're, there's a we're point talking ken, ken marshall here yeah exactly there's yeah.
2: a there's a part. Well, it makes sense at the beginning of the movie. We yeah, know, I was when, when, say, when he's a, he is like very like militarized, you know, put together man. Very kind of very princely.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, And when he's at his lowest point, the dude just he still looks really good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, damn dude, you're really gone, really gone through hell no. and back. This one.
2: Uh <laughs> maybe just throw him? some dirt on his face? Yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> he him. doesn't look that he doesn't look that good today. So it awful
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I did love that that bit where he's like on the stairs, having given up in like a pile of corpses. And yeah. the, 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 the thing that they've done to him to make him look like he's, like, lost and at his lowest point, they just, like, took his shirt off and, like, showed off his chest. Yeah. And I was like, They're nice. Oh, like, uh, hey. look at
2: my depressed six-pack abs. Yeah. He's like, no, no, everything is ruined.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I actually quite enjoyed myself with this movie, yeah, mostly because it, it feels exactly like if – they ever let george lucas adapt lord of the rings that's exactly what this was like <laughs> i was i was watching well it put. and i was like this is very tolkien expired this is very clearly a blatant star wars ripoff on like
2: every yes. level yeah, of i mean the they, plot the the, the <laughs> first thing we see is the two sons mm-hmm. too just like yeah. uh, even the opening shot and, yeah. and the black fortress then, as a star destroyer fortress, <laughs> yes yes it
3: comes in exactly like a star destroyer yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep. The germ horde. There are slayers in this, which are they have. They shoot lasers and they have swords. It's kind of cool.
2: No it's awesome Yeah I love that when, it, Especially the detail of uh, Like they're shooting The laser gun And then they just Flip it over And it's the sword <laughs> yeah. part That was awesome That
1: it's was It's killer Well yeah th- So right off the top We'll mention This movie is a lot More expensive You can probably tell
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: It, it, it cost about Triple it the amount its dated That Beastmaster did But I
2: found them Very charming and fun. Oh I-
1: I- exactly <laughs> Yeah I think they, I think I looked it up And Beastmaster Cost like 8 or 9 million dollars And Crawl coming out One year later Cost 30 million dollars Oh wow There's a huge budget movie at the time actually Um, I think that's more than any of the other fantasy films actually we've talked about so this is really expensive.
2: Did did it do well? I just imagine that it it might, no, um, I don't think so. No,
1: it seemed like a bit of a bomb, but again, sort of like Beastmaster, it had a bit of a, a life on TV oh, okay. that it picked up on. Very cool. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people didn't latch on to the characters and the iconography in the same way that people did Star Wars. You know, People weren't buying Krull toys, unless you can correct us on that, Eric. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a Krull toy. I I <laughs> but that's the thing about this. The, the expense is like, because this is such an ambitious movie. Oh, they yeah. really try to drop you in this conflict that's ongoing and you have to, just like Star Wars, you got to run with it, from, you know, just drop your feet and start running and, and immerse yourself in this world. And I don't know if people were ready necessarily for Cyclopses and Vanishing Fortresses and all that good shit that's in like a lot of amazing like 70s fantasy novels.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and and, yeah. and my personal favorite place that they go, uh, the giant spider lair of the yeah. the ancient slighted spider woman who yeah. longs for oh, her oh, lost oh, love
2: definitely <laughs> an homage to uh the two towers most likely yeah right? tolkien yeah yeah yeah
1: because he had already oh, he had already written those books at the time that this came out too Right, so. oh,
3: two towers okay tolkien i thought
1: you
3: guys
0: meant
3: 9-11 that trailer for that spider-man movie that was between the two towers did you ever, did you ever see that trailer for the sam raimi one Oh
1: yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, not not what I was thinking
1: about watching crawl, I'll be honest. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't watching this and I was like, man, I'm thinking about 9-11 again for some reason. <laughs> but I did really love this movie's combination of like this really like uh kitschy, like, space opera meets, like, high fantasy and, like, really high fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, oh, absolutely. Like, like, really, you're thrown in. There's, like, swords and spears uh, intertwined with spaceships and meteors and prophecies, and and the, the, the knights uh, are in, like, spacesuits, and then there's stone castles, and then people are also wearing purple velvet and shooting laser beams. And I was like, none of this stuff... Makes any should sense work, together. But I'm
2: totally on board. But the,
1: <laughs> the 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 actual work they do in the costume design and the set design and everything really works. And it does help, too. Uh, we should point this out probably right off the start. Uh, shot by uh, Peter Shishitsky, who is the guy who shot Empire Strikes Back and uh, most of Cronenberg's early work. Right. That's crazy. Uh, so... <laughs> the look of this film. Uh,
2: Definitely some more interesting setups uh, than – Yeah, well, and master. also it seems
1: Peter Yates as like a like a director. I haven't seen a lot of Peter Yates, but – I did Bullet, which is pretty Oh, good. yeah. I have mm. seen Bullet. I forgot that that was him. So, yeah, it's clearly crazy. just a Everything sturdier workman bit. filmmaker, you know, someone who's done a lot of, you know, sort of higher budget films and – could put this all together. Although I heard he was really depressed making this movie. Really? Uh, yeah, I think he, he kind of lost track and they were kind of like rewriting it partially on set, which you could feel a little bit, uh, when you get to the back half and how everything kind of like wraps up, but he definitely felt like they were just like, uh, we, we, uh, paid for all these really expensive sets. Now please just shoot something in it, please. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, uh, okay. Uh, and I will say that that's a huge part of why this worked for me because even when it looks kind of like goofy and artificial, there's still like a strange beauty to that that I actually yeah. really found Because there's a uh, big attention worked. to detail. Like
3: the production design is amazing. Like when we eventually get into the fortress that, you know, the, the beast's fortress, who is the main oh daddy God, of this yeah. film... It's very like – it's just gorgeously made like uh, the princess who gets kidnapped standing on this balcony that looks like the beast's claw but it's not.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was just going to mm-hmm. mention that. It's such a great visual metaphor. It's it's awesome. Yeah, well, and, well, and
1: uh, also there's a bit where it, she's like in the eye, right? Yeah. She's in like a giant yeah, eyeball yeah. and yeah. like she's the pupil of it. Uh, yeah, there's like tons of amazing set work happening here. And even when it's not set and they're sort of like outside and stuff too, like they actually went and got these like beautiful, like mountainside vistas and like these from the top of like these snowy
2: mountains too, where like the fortress teleports. There's even some, uh, some great shots of like free climbing and things like that, which, uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean, they get the stunt double obviously, but it's, it's, it's nice. It's like wide shot. It's, you know, real stunts. It's, it's, it's good. Really gorgeous. Like Mm -hmm. widescreen framing and everything too. Yeah.
3: You get a real sense of the world here, where in Beastmaster, and even like in something like Conan the Barbarian, it's just kind of a dirt set to a next dirt set, and this <laughs> yeah. is just like, you get different locations, different climates, you get caves, you get quests, and then, and another thing amazing about this movie I was thinking about today, I just, re- I watched it like right before I talked to you guys, talked to you guys in the past tense, talking to you guys right now, <laughs> but it's like an alien invasion of like a Tolkien kind of world.
1: Yeah. And
3: yeah. That's the, where the sci-fi element comes into. It. It's just very innovative.
1: Yeah. Oh no, yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And I, I, I loved a lot of the different locations that they take you to. I think obviously I really loved the spider layer, but my other favorite one actually was the swamp, which I looked it up because I was like, where did they shoot that? I was like, how, how would like, where is that? Uh, 100% a set.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, the
1: entire forest swamp,
2: that's very They built awesome. it in
1: in Pinewood Studios, one of the biggest studios where they shot like uh, I think they said they even used the 007 stage, which is uh, obviously known where they shoot a lot of Bond stuff, um, and it is like the biggest uh, shooting stage in Europe basically. So they can really act Yeah, like so they literally just space. built a giant forest swamp wow. and That's shot so inside. Wow. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, and l- and it looks amazing.
2: Yeah, um, and even some really creepy shots like the uh like the the bad guys emerging out of the oh, swamp yeah, water. Oh, yeah, the slayers like the coming back. Out out of it and stuff yeah. yeah
1: the bad guys are also called slayers which is so metal <laughs> so metal yeah and the, and the main bad guy is just the beast uh, so Excellent. yeah there's there's a lot of world building and a lot of world to actually explore in this so that that's why like even though again like the character stuff isn't super compelling in this i would still say I still think it's an upgrade on Beastmaster. Oh yeah. But like even if it wasn't, yeah. like there's just so much more visual detail and richness yeah. to this that like I mean, just, even if just, I wasn't <laughs> absorbed in Ken Marshall's eyes, I'm sitting here watching him move <laughs> through these amazing locations and, you know, confront these amazing um uh like different situations. Like Mm. I I really, really liked the spiders layer bit where she's like an old woman who feels slighted by like a lost love that she couldn't have. And then there's this really like, like genuinely beautiful and melancholy moment where, the guy who is this movie's version of (laughs) Obi-Wan goes in there and says that, you know, I'm, I'm here helping, you know, like a, like a young prince who's had his entire like castle massacred and his queen like kidnapped by a monster. And I'm helping these two young lovers like reunite. And the spider is obviously moved by that because she wants, she misses the relationship that she had with him. And she's like this old woman, but then she starts being able to re-envision herself as how he sees her, which is like sort of like the younger, you know, right. more beautiful version. Uh, and at first that effect takes place only in the mirror and not yeah. on the actress. And then she turns around and it's her. And I'm sitting here going, well, wow, just the visual conception and construction of this is actually and the emotion of it is so clear. Yeah. And well done. And I was like, wow, watching. And I like I queued up this immediately (laughs) after Beastmaster. And I was like, wow, this is just like what film the difference between directing uh, is. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: Also tying the films together, she mentions that they had a son together and she killed the baby like right after it was born. So there's also child murder. She just needed a victim. She just needed a victim for the rage she felt of that love being lost. So it's right. a little different, but Hey, it's there. They're killing kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's true. The correlation. between I, the I, two actu- I actually, uh, while I was distracted by how beautiful that moment was, I also did completely forget that they undermine it slightly and sort of maybe not undermine, they complicate it slightly yeah, yeah. by saying that, yeah, I was so upset about it. I murdered our child. Uh, you know, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> didn't wasn't great, but yeah. you know. By, by the way, the attention to I detail. like you
3: think you guys mentioned the attention to detail? Like, compare the religions. Like the Joan priest or whatever. He's just throwing a kid into a fire. Why? I don't know. I don't like it. And <laughs> For this, it's like you get the marriage ceremony, and this is like Lord of the Light shit from like George R. 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 Martin, because it's like I will take the fire from the water and. It <laughs> shall not be returned except by the woman who chooses my hand, and she says, "Like, I take the fire from the water and give it only to my man who decides to be my husband." And it's it, it, they're yeah. they're passing the fire back and forth, and it's just this <laughs> religion you're supposed to accept.
2: Yeah, yeah. And something I also found interesting about the the wedding ceremony was instead of like music, as they were as they were uh, walking up to the altar it was just military men banging on their shields as hard, <laughs> far as, as hard as they could. And yeah, I guess I it set the, got... the tone too for like, yeah, <laughs> and it was cool. It kind of set the tone for just how the, the kingdom is run. Cause at the end of the day, they're definitely still like a monarchy. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, well, you know what? I'll say, I'll save that for, for the end, but yeah, when they get when they get there, right. Yeah. Because there's a, narr- a, a specific part where the narrator says something and it's, uh, something that an evil person says in another movie that this is clearly referencing so we'll get to that but yeah
1: no for for sure I mean the the, the main crux of it is obviously I don't even think we mentioned the plot yet but the, the main like actual plot is just that Ken Marshall is a is, is a prince and he's marrying um, the princess and they are uh, I they do get married and they are going to be the next king and queen and they are technically king and queen for the rest of the movie because they are uh, they uh, entire castle is massacred by the beast and slayers. They kidnap right. the princess. And but actually, get a chance the action set pieces transfer great. the flame. Oh, which she didn't get a the chance to do too. it yet. So but, I don't know if it's like
2: official. But they still but. name him king. <laughs> Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just kind of like, we'll do it later. We'll get, we'll do all the 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 Yeah, we're not gonna fuck later. you on a technicality, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Like, king, you though.
1: were basically king. You know, like it's good. We need someone to basically yeah. be king. You know, uh, <laughs> but but the actual set piece itself of the slayers infiltrating the castle and fighting with the <laughs> swords and the lasers and stuff, like it's quite well done. And they actually mm. do, like, uh, that's where the swashbuckling gets in. And they start actually doing these well choreographed like sword fighting scenes and stuff like that the
3: the slayers just like they're able to run up the walls of the castle they're like it's nothing they're able to (laughs) burst down the gates instantly so you get a sense of why this entire planet's almost enslaved by the beast at this point yeah
1: Yeah. no yeah like that bit's actually really creepy when they're walking through the gates and i don't actually know 100% how they did this shot because you get in the right side of the frame to the left, they are like marching into the castle, fighting people and fucking them up. But just as as a side detail, there are people like scaling the walls, like slayers moving up the walls. And like, I don't know if they just used wires and like pulled them up or something, but like they're doing it in a really inhuman, like creepy way that doesn't make any sense. You know what? Um, A a
3: wizard did.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And also I actually think that there's, the way that they kill the slayers is so much more gruesome than anything also that was in beastmaster
2: yeah, it almost for a kid's feels movie. Like a, like because they have these, like a, I guess they're like aliens that come out of the bodies themselves or yeah. something. It feels like a decapitation in a way. Cause even blood comes out and stuff. So well, it's yeah, very visceral. They, they,
1: they like kill them and it like cracks their skull open yeah. with like a laser. And then like this weird, like bloody bug, like the intestine, thing, yeah. like just kind of like writhes around in pain. And you're just also
2: PG, yeah, <laughs> yeah, also for the kids,
1: <laughs> gotta love it. Um, boobs
2: and decapitation, and, and yeah,
1: it does capture them as like this kind of like strange, like infection or something like that. And it's yeah. really bloody and it's really gross. And then the rest of the movie kind of hinges on Ken Marshall, um, playing the prince or the king, uh, learning right. to become kingly, and, yes, through and that's Obi Wan
3: because it's like Dars is like whatever dude I've got a dog i have a cat, a giant cat this <laughs> is like he needs to like go through these quests in order to be worthy enough to save the princess and kill the beast which is like and finding the glaive is one of the big ones going into this cave right. dipping his hand into this lava
1: he, to pull he needs out. to be the best version of himself so that he can use the fucking giant fidget spinner with knives on it right. to win uh. the day
2: and there's even, like, a difference there where we see how the characters do progress as characters as opposed to with, with Dar. Yeah. Where, like, he starts kind of hot-headed a little bit. I think oh, the the Obi-Wan character... <laughs> Uh, has a line where he says bravery is an important attribute but courtesy is much more significant something like that well yeah he said he
1: said bravery just isn't the only attribute of a kid right he's like there's there's others that you so just in that
2: regard you can see some actual character progression which which is nice to not just have this like head that's just completely you know uh stoic in his in his characteristic like he's actually going to change you know, he's not just going to be like this guy that I'm already the hero. I don't need to do anything else. Yeah, exactly. a, lot, a,
1: a lot of Beast, Beastmaster is just Dar having things happen and not changing in any capacity. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: Uh, just realizing that now, basically. Um, but I do like the scene where he goes into the cave and he he pulls out the the, the glaive from like the the weird like upside down like lava
2: thing is in there oh yeah and yeah I, I guess that also that shows that he's I, I, kind of like a chosen one of some kind well too, yeah because he's and, able and, to reach and, into the lava yeah so. and i was
1: curious because i was like when the lava got in there and i was like did i miss something <laughs> he just like go into a volcano or something but no he just it's in a cave <laughs> yeah, and i was yeah. like oh all right okay that's just whatever this this is the planet this crawl the planet, that's the yeah. planet right yeah um and yeah, the rest of the movie is really, really basic. It's it's him picking up a bunch of companions, a, a lot of like sort of like local peasants, a cyclops with Liam uh, Neeson, baby, a, a wizard. Yeah. yeah, I had no idea I was gonna see Neeson. A young <laughs> Liam Neeson and Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, uh, two actors who would obviously you know go on. You're to about to you're scene. about to
3: be taken by the beast. Call it any tattoos you might see. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, Liam Neeson wants nothing to do with that shit. Liam Neeson's like, dude, I'm fucking poor as shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd just rather rob you. Yeah.
2: You know, I want to rob people and, and have my several wives. <laughs> also,
1: Liam Neeson is like a big ladies' man. That's a, yes. that's oh, a yeah. subplot.
2: That's a subplot. Of course he
1: is.
3: <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder how to read this actually, because he's like, um, uh, like the leader of their pack. Says like, oh, he's got like uh, seven or eight wives across the entire like realm. And <laughs> yeah.
2: He just he travels a lot, so it works out. It's like.
3: Are they are they wives? Is it just victims? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: and I love how he also has that line where he's like, uh, "Faithful" is my middle name. Simultaneously, after we just got that information <laughs> that he's just like hoeing himself through seven different planets.
1: Oh, yeah. And they and that's where we get him kind of going on all these different trials. That's where we get him going through sort of like the swamp forest where we get the slayers like very sort of like moodily rising out of the water again in a way that physically doesn't make sense. But is super creepy as like an actual image. Yeah. Um, by, by then
3: they've hooked up with a seer, this like old wizard dude who can predict through his visions um, where the fortress will appear because they can't just go storm the fortress and get the princess back because it vanishes and reappears in different places.
1: Right. And the and the seer you, he starts by using like a green jewel or whatever, right? But then like the hand of the beast like infects the frame and like crushes it yeah. right in front of them and everything. That's great. Yeah, which is like again another another just like, you know, it's a pretty simple scene, a simple idea and the effect is a little cheesy, but like for some reason as like just a piece of like mood, it actually does end up like really working for me. I actually think a huge reason, which uh, I don't know that we mentioned yet. We should, uh, James Horner scored this film, um, famous for obviously, uh, he did Titanic. Uh, he did Braveheart, um, did a lot of huge scores when I'd have a huge career. And there's like this really melodramatic, like orchestral, thing going on here Mm -hmm. but it's weirdly infected by like these moments of like strange almost like experimental uses of like strings and there's also like wind chimes and like these uh these choirs and stuff happening in there too um and it it works really well because he has to do a different score for like every goddamn location (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, because that's one thing too like the sets are so different so he really had to kind of capture the mood of each thing they go to a quite a few different places that are very different yeah and then
1: when they're outside you know storming the mountains and then when they're obviously they're in the black fortress you know both outside of it where you know it's this giant black black rock that's meant to sort of be imposing um and sort of uh, uh doom-like uh but also be this movie's version of a star destroyer um <laughs> and the inside of it though is like this weird like intestinal like labyrinth yeah. uh which also looks kind of amazing
3: it like, kind of looks like like the, like the, an ear canal or something yeah or something. yeah like it's, I like, d- it's I d- like organic somehow
1: Which is, which is interesting because when we combine actually all the different things that we see of it, it does feel like a, like a creature of some sort because there's the part where she's in the eye. There's another scene too, where she approaches trying to, she's thinking about like jumping out, I think. And it looks like she's in like the mouth, like there's like teeth and it's like opening and closing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. as she's like thinking about
2: like trying to like jump out or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, Her
2: cell really does feel alive. And there's even, I thought that there was a really creepy image of when she goes and she sees like a, a bridge to escape but even that design is very weird and scary it's like a dark red like it, it seems mm-hmm. like it's almost set in hell itself or something like that and there's these odd guards that are that are blocking her way so yeah it, it, it's a uh, that that cell does feel like alive almost throughout the movie yeah. Also,
3: and, a great moment that happens in there is when the beast appears to her as Ken Marshall, but with red
1: eyes. Oh, it's funny. This is exactly the scene I wanted to get to, too. Oh, yeah. oh great.
3: Because
1: <laughs> I actually thought this was actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because not only does he do that, but then there's also this amazing cross kiting set piece that they do where he is trying to sort of like woo the princess. And yes. trying by mostly just exposing uh, sort of Ken Marshall's prince as like a dick bag, <laughs> trying to be like, yeah, he's just trying to be like, yeah, well, he's already oh, forgotten you he's about so you. Great? Well,
3: why don't you look at him right now? Yeah, exactly.
0: he's <laughs> <laughs> right now.
3: Yeah, and exactly. it's a whole honeypot. He sets <laughs> up yeah. like a honeypot where he says like, all right, I'm the beast. I'm gonna get some sexy ladies down to their camp. And we'll see how pious this guy is. Yeah, it's it's so
1: convoluted of a plan for the Beast. But yeah, when they – because he's – sort of has a hired woman down there trying to woo Ken Marshall and he's broadcasting it to the princess trying to be like look he's already trying to like cheat on you or whatever and then he uh, obviously the the prince he's just he's so good he's like I cannot I am already committed to (laughs) another Uh, I have my love yeah It's this is very um, uh, very proper and British yeah. in comparison to American fantasy, which is. In contrast,
2: we have the Beastmaster who almost sexually assaults the girl that <laughs> yeah. he falls in love with. <laughs> Jesus, uh, <laughs>
1: that's uh, so funny. Americans drive like this. Brits drive like this. Yeah. This is basically that's what this double yeah. feature is. Uh, <laughs> um, oh God! And yeah, as soon as he turns her down, immediately she tries to like murder him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, fuck you. I was being paid by the beast. And I, and I was like, okay. So now we're establishing that there's an economy of like, <laughs> that sh- like people will betray the human race for the beast under his rule, even though we've seen no version of humans under him yet. So I was trying to figure out like, is it was she just being brainwashed or was she like, a, like one of the weird intestine creatures inside of her? I couldn't figure out exactly what was going on there. Yeah, um, it's
3: a good question. Now, if we got the sequels we deserved,
1: Yeah. Right. Explored
3: that like maybe there's a rival kingdom somewhere that still (laughs) has like battlements for the beast or whatever.
1: You know, like Like, exactly. Where's the poor society that was just (laughs) like, uh, we're just going to align with the beast because he'll kill us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We need need that that. cash, bro.
3: (laughs) Seriously, though, like what happens if a, a black fortress comes from outer space, lands on Earth, the beast comes out. Someone's joining the beast. (laughs) <laughs> probably the United States of America <laughs> but people are joining the Beast for power for sure
1: yeah exactly anyway I loved the cross cutting in that scene because that scene is playing out and we're cutting back to the swamp where you know they're they're killing this woman or trying to like take this woman out away from trying to kill the prince uh, and that plan obviously didn't go well at all for the Beast who the princess is watching it being like hey the prince is still a really cool guy yeah I got uh, you. <laughs>
3: I actually like him more now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nailed it, dude. By the um, way, this
3: movie's got co- uh, a comedic relief character, which is uh, actually yeah. not that awful. Like you, you see, yeah. He's Argo the Magnificent, a wizard that turns into animals. So it's really a great vessel for us to get more animals. In.
2: Yeah, yeah I also love the, too, his man. introduction both with himself and then the, the Cyclops where it just has the shot of him leaving uh, the, the prince and, and or, or the king to be and he, uh, he travels up a hill and just sees a Cyclops and it just stares at him in the darkness in the forest <laughs> and then he just <laughs> walks back <laughs> like, nope, fuck that. And, <laughs> and I love, either way it would have worked for me. I do mm-hmm. love that they fleshed out the Cyclops and that he becomes quite part a significant gag, yeah. part of it. Uh, but I also would have loved if it was just, it just like a gag. Like it was just some dude, like a cyclops, just staring and he's like, Fuck that. Yeah, they were like It is terrifying a little he, bit. He it's comes back to the prince. Humorous. He's
1: just like, Yeah, dude, that plane about going north. Yeah, we're going northwest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: it's, <laughs> it's
3: this great. actually reminds me. Now I just remembered the Cyclops. This is weird. And I think Cyclops should be cooler than this. So this is kind of maybe almost the flaw in this film. <laughs> where the Cyclops apparently w- were invented by the Beast. They were a group of men who joined with the Beast and they took one of their eyes in exchange to see the future, but the only future they could see is their own death, so it's like a... <laughs> What's
2: the fuck? Fish. That's the deal with the Beast. You can't make... <laughs> that's the most fucked up shit I've ever heard. I it's like about that like, it's like a quick line...
3: Yep, that's what the fucking Cyclops are. And it, maybe it's anti-Cyclop propaganda
2: know. <laughs> yeah, but then it even it, it goes even a little further because the I think the young kid that shows up eventually explains that the Cyclops, if he doesn't fulfill his destiny and die where he's supposed to die, then he just feels excruciating pain. So he has to basically <laughs> die. Existence or, is pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he has to sacrifice himself or do what he has to do according to the vision or he feels excruciating pain. So either way, this is just, uh, it, well, it he, wasn't the best gets, deal.
3: <laughs> he gets crushed by a doorway. So I think he felt extreme pain
0: either way. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Good point. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I gotta say, there's something really bizarre to me about the sort of, like, childlike, like, like, fairy tale storybook kind of quality that this is clearly aiming for. Similar to Legend. When we talked about Legend, we talked about that quality that it kind of had to it. And this one also merges that, though, with, like, these concepts that are, like, really existential and scary when you (laughs) actually think about them for a second. That's very adult. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's all
2: I could think of watching these two movies. I'm like, I can't believe these are geared towards younger audiences even even
1: the relationships are a little mature because like the relationship between the prince and the princess like they have like genuinely like adult flirtation and stuff in there as well like before she even gets kidnapped and i was like god damn dude kids were kids were watching some fucked up stuff (laughs) i'm not they are now i'm 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 not sure what else they can get now i mean (laughs) yeah uh but yeah, as, as we sort of pivot into like sort of like the, the climax, because we did talk about the Widow of the Web stuff, but that is an amazing scene as well. Yeah, I believe
3: she himself. also yeah. has the name of the princess of Li, uh, like Lissa. They Alyssa, the same yeah. name. Right. Yeah. So they,
1: the, the king named her after the ancient. Widow oh, the OK. Web. That
3: makes sense. I thought it was yeah. a real like we're out of port license plates. And no, what a coincidence. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, because I think that's part of what the the, the Obi-Wan dude says to her is that, like, to try and persuade her to help reunite these young lovers. Because they were like, wouldn't you wish that someone did this for us kind of yeah, deal? There's like that someone reunited there. these young lovers. And I was like, she has your name type deal even. Now, so, she, like, that
0: is the perfect
3: contrast between these films. Now, Krull is like a rich text. The more you watch it, I feel like the more you'll pick up on little things like that with... Beastmaster's pretty straightforward.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, sure. despite the fact that it's like silly, there's still like a weird, like you know, they, they, they've, they've clearly conceptualized this. They've thought it through. And even if it is a little like kitschy and silly and obviously aimed at children, there's still some depth happening here. And there's like actual craft and detail to it as well. So, like, there's I found this just a lot more rewarding of, of, of a film. And the one thing that did let me down, which is where we'll, we'll get to here, I did feel like they kind of whiff the ending a little bit, maybe Mm. not the direct ending, but just like the climax. It is a really cool set piece and it's pretty brutal where the entire team raids, the
2: black fortress and, and the, and the exchange of the fire from the beginning, just to kind of wrap that up. I thought was very good too. Exactly.
1: Like I thought there was some good stuff happening there. I just felt, and maybe this is just maybe the dated effects of it and stuff like that, Mm. that it kind of just ends with the dude, like throwing the fidget spinner at the guy on a green screen and then they kind of call it a day and they, they do exchange the fire back and forth. But like the actual yeah. drama of that scene, I was like, Oh, he reached the beast. I actually thought like the beast was going like, to talk a, with him yes, I, yeah. or yeah. they were, there was going to be some sort of, you know, we're not, not so
3: different. You and I,
1: <laughs> not yeah. even that, maybe even just like a weird, like troll
2: riddle or something well, yeah. like, I thought well, something dramatic was going to happen. Where there. he's like the doppelganger yeah. of him. And I was expecting there to be a, a cool scene where maybe they talk to each other as that guy. And there's almost like, a, I'm talking to an evil version of myself or something like that, or just something along those lines. because well, the, They're, they're they trying to talk about
1: the morality of rule, right? Because his, right. his 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 kingdom looks a lot grimmer than hopefully what this prince who has hopefully been raised right by Obi-Wan will be a better king. And whatnot. They're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be competing uh, in that you sense. You guys
3: are slightly underselling this climax because he gets a fucking flamethrower arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fire everywhere! They eventually <laughs> even <laughs> use the flamethrower arm to bust out of the castle at the very end. Yeah, and no, and it's it's actually a nice moment too with the princess because he he realizes oh wait I I can't defeat the beast it's we have to defeat the beast they finish their marriage vows mm. she get he gets the fire right hand, yeah no that's good. Which is, Apparently, a big part of their religion, they could just shoot fire after you get
1: there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they they undersold that element of the movie early on.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that it, it's like uh, I I did enjoy this, this finale, but I just would have liked after having that scene with the beast, I would have liked something where like more there's actual the discussion between the lead and the beast and just just flesh that out a little bit more or something like that because mm. i felt like he gets there and the beast is just this giant goblin the power now, of love and then he just <laughs> throws the knife and 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 you know between him and the beast i just felt there could be more but the finale overall i thought was very effective. oh yeah like the,
1: the set piece to get to the beast is is the set great. piece yeah. itself
2: is awesome yeah yeah when, and, and like, when they burn the whole thing down, tunnel? yeah.
1: Yeah, the spike tunnel. That was great. Someone There's, and and someone gets brutally killed by that, right? Oh
3: There's yeah, one
2: stabs right through. Yeah. yeah,
3: I really like how we get it's members of too. this of this uh, this uh, posse he wrangles dying one by one, trying to get through this castle, get through its armaments. Robbie Coltrane's in this briefly. He gets like shot in the gut or whatever on the steps to the castle, <laughs> and we get people being being impaled on spikes. It's a lot.
2: Yeah, and yeah, they and, started and dropping left and right. I mean, we have the scene like all Liam the different Like, tell stuff, Martha, yeah. I love her, and like the other guy was like, uh, it was worth the journey. Finish <laughs> it, like that kind of thing. You know, yeah, I did yeah. start feeling a little more. I'm like, oh, I do care about these guys. That's nice. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and the the abstract like imagery of the Black Fortress itself as they're going through the different parts of it, like it's very. Uh, it, I, I almost thought about holy mountain while i was watching it like <laughs> i was like jesus christ Just layers it's like who who came up with this who storyboarded this i also
2: <laughs> love the shot of him breaking the wall with the flamethrower and it shows a side view of the mountain and the flame just shooting out of the mountain that was fucking awesome (laughs) yeah
1: yeah see i i wouldn't say that like the the set piece like overall works i think for me it was mostly just kind of like the character climax of the film like i did feel like overall the journey of the film was pretty derivative of like things like Star Wars sure, things yeah. like this, where it was kind of like ah, they they did it, and, and it still works because I mean you know you don't have to and you don't have to change can't,
0: it
3: up. <laughs> yeah, it's can't, can't too much of a good thing. Exactly, um, exactly. They, 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 like the, the tertiary characters are much better defined in this film. Like um, Alan Armstrong's character Torquil, is like the leader of this band that he first re- recruits to go storm this castle. He's got like these. Uh, he's in irons from being arrested or whatever. And he refuses to take them off until they succeed on the que- on the on the quest, and then at the very end, which is pretty interesting, like immediately, like yeah, 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 I got the princess here, but let me give these keys to this dude so he can get out of these out of this human bondage situation, and he like still doesn't want to get out of these these bindings, mm, but then yeah. he gets made for Lord Marshall, the guy who keeps the key. So I guess he's like the sheriff of Nottingham but in a good way
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also I think the uh, the visuals of that just in the field having the, the fortress being, you know, d- destroyed and then lifting up Instead, yes. Like it doesn't just blow up. It starts kind of like like uh, like there's no gravity and it starts going into space itself. And having them just on the field sitting and watching this giant spectacle was really effective. And the effects are pretty good actually for mm-hmm. the most part in that in that uh, in that section. Yeah, because um, the
3: castle doesn't belong in the world, so it's being removed.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I loved that imagery. Uh, the one thing though here, this was what I was speaking on at the beginning of our our talk here, was At the end, the narration says something like, and they ruled the galaxy for all eternity or something like that. And I was <laughs> like, rocks, all the these rocks. homages to Star Wars and you use the <laughs> Dark Lord Emperor's thing to, to, to signify the good guys are in control. I just thought that that was kind of funny. It's, it doesn't take away from the film at all. I just thought it was an interesting well, And thing. funny
1: enough, this came out the same year as Return of the Jedi.
2: Right. So it's just like, to like we will rule the galaxy. And then instead we have a narrator just like, and they ruled the galaxy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, the movie also starts with like um, it's it like if the prophecy is true, a girl of ancient name. I guess that you're right. That's the widow of the webs name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, shall become queen, and she shall choose a king, and together they shall rule the world, and their son shall rule the galaxy.
2: <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, and I just thought that that was funny to have like them <laughs> do the evil thing, but this time it's for the good guys. So don't worry, guys. Their monarchy will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> they
1: had all the all the power and control and money. Don't worry about it. though. Yeah, they'll,
2: they'll do great. Th- this was a yeah, movie yeah.
1: about how they became good people. On yeah. yeah. exactly. the way there,
0: <laughs>
2: better than
3: better than the chaos of the beast, I guess. I
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I think we'll angle towards the reductive rating round on this one. Uh, for me, this is gonna get this is gonna get the high three. I was I, I'm thinking about the forum close on it. I think I need another rewatch on it for sure. Yeah. But I I, I did latch on to... Um, obviously, the the look of this view, this this film hugely because it it does have that kind of the same issue I kind of had with Legend, which was just kind of I didn't get too involved in the kind of like childlike fairy tale aspects of the film. Like it's a little yeah, simple, we little know derivative. The beats, we, we know this you know, stuff, yeah, but similarly to legend like the world is actually pretty intoxicating yeah they just
2: flesh out everything
1: yeah and the 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 sort of like anamorphic cinematography and the sort of like in-camera effects with the with some you know lighting filters it's just it's a very good looking movie in comparison to you know like we just talked about beastmaster which had kind of you know like crude compositions and really uh sort of poor editing along uh, along the way also it had three times the budget so in fairness to beastmaster that helps but uh, like just again, this did feel directly like Star Wars, George Lucas style film meets like Lord of the Rings, Tolkien style universe, uh, literally, as Eric actually cogently pointed out, it's like literally a fantasy world being invaded by space aliens. <laughs> yeah. So like that actually, it, it, it get, doesn't get more literal than that um, as sort of space opera meets high fantasy. And uh, it doesn't even have to blend them that much together. It's almost like they're fighting each other. Mm. Um, but again, the, the the sort of organic layer of the beast and how sort of both beautiful and grotesque it is and all of the different uh, lo- situations and locations that they go to on this quest with all the, the bandits and peasants and, and, and wizards. And again, the giant spiders layer just like I, I, and, and again, the score, I really like the score too. So like I, on a, on a technical level and in terms of sort of like conception of the world, this was like a, a super easy watch considering it was the same yeah. length of Be- Beastmaster, Like this flew by for me yep. in comparison. Um, so yeah, I gotta say, uh, going with the high three on this one, I think.
2: Nice. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same. I could see this, uh, becoming the four. I oh ri-
1: shit. Sorry. Before oh. you go fire mares. Right?
2: Uh, Yes, yes. We we, we didn't mention
1: the the horses that have fire feet.
3: (laughs) To the Iron Desert in time, they have to go get these Clydesdales that are known to be super – they're fire Clydesdales.
1: They call them them fire (laughs) mares.
3: They ride these horses. You see the fire under their feet like it's Back to the Future.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah i was actually anyway. gonna mention them as a reason oh I were like you this movie okay because <laughs> i love that shot too well one seeing liam neeson on a fire horse was just something that's i didn't know shit. i wanted to yeah, see but i'm glad shit. i have yeah and uh and then also that shot of them going over the cliff and you have kind of the uh, all the horses and then the, the fire trail itself <laughs> as they're floating like reindeer but from hell or something yeah that's, very visually inventive yeah very very cool um, but yeah, I thought that this was awesome in the sense that the, they really thought about the lore of the, uh, the world they wanted to create. Like there's just, you know, set piece after set piece and there's a lot of detail. And I mean, just to, for you to tell me that that swamp section is like a complete stage, yeah. that's just impressive. <laughs> it's it, it felt very authentic. And yeah, I just, I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a, a fun adventure and uh, I'll give it the high three. I could ec- expect this to get to the four. I just, uh, I think I need a rewatch and I don't know if some of the, the cheese holds me back a little bit, but regardless, I, I, I really like it's it. It's a so. kid's
1: movie from the 80s. Exactly.
3: I'm going to say cheese is good. And right, go yeah. Five, five out of five. Oh no, well, yeah. You got to no go for like the five. You, well, four if you went 4.3 beautiful. on
1: Beastmaster, come on, dude, this is obviously a five <laughs> on whatever scale that is. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
3: Is is this movie as good as something like Star Wars or Phantom Threat or whatever else? <laughs> no. uh, neither is Beastmaster, but like I I think this movie's is, is is fun. It's 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 innocuous enough. It's it's unoffensive. It's got beautiful world building, and I think it's got yeah. so, so much repeat value. And it, you know, it's not none of these movies that we talked about today are the best movies ever made, but. I just really I really latched on to Krull ever since I was a kid, more so than the Beastmaster because of that rich universe that they made. Mm -hmm.
1: Hell yeah. Well, that sounds good. I think that will wrap it up for this week's show. That was Beastmaster 1982 and Krull 1983. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Eric, this is the part of the show where if you've got anything to plug, you can do it right here.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, So um, I'm on a show called We Hate Movies. Um,
1: (laughs) Maybe you've heard of it.
3: (laughs) Well, maybe you haven't. Uh, you know, ch- <laughs> ch- check it out at whmpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Also, like we said at the top, I am embarking on a weird quest that's going to take me, I I think I've mapped it out because we've been doing like one a month, basically, on T.J. Hooker, going episode by episode on T.J. Hooker, which is, which is, if you don't know, it's William Shatner's show he did after Star Trek where he's a proto-fascist, Police man in
2: hell
3: fucking, yeah in, in a fictional los angeles and yeah, like a non like everyday usa city that's not specifically called los angeles but it's shot in los angeles me and my buddy ben Wooster go through it episode by episode and it is ridiculous and you can find it at tjhookerpodcast.com
1: sweet well i'm nice. definitely gonna be checking that out For you guys, I think in one week's time, we are going to be back with a uh, patron-exclusive episode for you bonus listeners. We are going to be taking on uh, someone recently passed away by the name of Rutger Hauer. And we were sad to hear about it and sad that we have yet to talk about him on this show. Yeah, So that was a huge blind spot for us. So we are making up for lost time and we are going to do a old school Paul Verhoeven double feature. We are going to do Soldier of Orange from 1977, his sort of Dutch uh, World War II film about a bunch of friends who uh, experience... War Love War and loss <laughs> in, in, in World War II. <laughs> yeah, they experienced World War II. Hey, <laughs> fucking really sucks. Uh, yeah, and we're going to be pairing it <laughs> with Paul Verhoeven's 1985 film, his first English-language film, Flesh and Blood. Uh, which is a bit of a left turn from Soldier of Orange and a little bit more of the Verhoeven you know and love in terms of grisliness and grotesqueness.
2: He has to play uh, such a complicated character. It's yeah, ruker
1: has got uh, one role ahead of him, especially <laughs> for that one. <laughs> I
2: can't believe he pulled
1: it uh, off. So we're, we're going to be talking about Soldier of Orange, Flesh and Blood. Uh, again, patreon.com slash Podcast if you guys want to hear that one. Uh, but in two weeks' time, I think this time, we are going to have Will Meneker on the show, of oh, o yeah. trap House. Uh, and we are going to follow up our John Frankenheimer Patreon episode that we just did of Materian Candidate in Seconds. And we are going to be talking more John Frankenheimer, but we're going to be talking about his car movies. Sort of. Uh, just one of them. One of them's a car movie. And, well, I think this is the double feature. Ronin, 1998, yeah. uh, has some sweet William Friedkin-esque car chases um, in that's it. That's true. It's, it's
3: By the way, insane. guys, I just rewatched it. Man, it is good.
1: It's so yeah. good. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I've already watched it. My God. <laughs>
3: In the 90s, when I first watched that movie, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> <'Cause I'm not laughs> baby, where's Krull? Where's Beastmaster? Yeah. <laughs> but I watched it now and it's fucking
2: great. Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I am actually going to rewatch it because I yeah. feel like I miss Me details too. in those set pieces because some of those set pieces, just so much is happening and the, the controlled chaos of it that Frankenheimer gets in there, it's amazing. Yeah. But we're going to be pairing it with his 1966 film Grand Prix.
2: Three hour three, Formula One Three movie. hours of
1: Formula One yeah, and boy. dudes being real sad about Formula One. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Uh,
1: it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty old school Hollywood melodrama type thing, uh, cool. but with a bunch of dudes who really want to kill themselves in fast moving machines. <laughs> and
2: I've heard incredible cinematography. Yeah, so.
1: and the cinematography of the actual racing sequences, uh, even today, is unbelievable. So in Sweet. 1966, Very where they cool. showed it to you in Cinerama, which is like, uh, that would have blown people's fucking minds
0: yeah.
1: uh, So anyway that's what we're going to be talking about In two weeks time for all listeners uh, But that will wrap it up I think for this week's show Thanks as always for listening And keep it sleazy Keep it sleazy